welcome. You're listening to Passages, and we're glad that you're here. Uh, I'm here with uh, Tim and Jason, and uh, we're just really excited to be able to do our show. Uh, it's always great to get together with you guys. Uh, the weather's been weird. Weird. It's a you know threat of tornado, then like one degree above zero and still more to come right so yeah, yeah. it's gonna get cold well and wind gust of like 50 miles an hour we found a new leak in our house oh, i yeah, found a wind. new leak at work that was fun the wind the wind and the rain the other night it was really late and ava my daughter was getting up to go to bed and as she got up the power flickered a little bit and she said oh i can't do this and i said what's the big deal um you're you're going to bed you don't need power and she said i need my rain noise now it was pouring, pouring down rain, rain yeah. outside, <laughs> yeah. and I said, "That's great." Can you hear what's going on outside? Yeah. She's like, "No, I'm talking about real rain noise." Like this like is noise real rain there. noise. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. If is, it goes off, just crack that window just yeah. a right. tad, but not too much because <laughs> the rain right. is coming in it's horizontally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's I asked right. her. I said, "Please tell me you at least know why this is funny to me." Yeah. Now the worst, Please. the worst feeling in the world is when the power goes out in the middle of the night and the ceiling fan and oh, the pedestal man. slash box fan. Yeah. <laughs> stops. I have, oh, I have nothing to. Um, yeah, I can't yeah, say. I anything. can't say anything about. Oh yeah, two fans going all. Oh, yeah. Around. I can't say anything about what Ava's doing. I've yeah. got so many things that are, you know, plugged up of necessity. So, yeah. you know, between, you know, there's a CPAP machine. I got mine, my CPAP running. Right. Yeah. You know, there's there's two fans in the room. Yep. There's a sound machine. Mm. Um, you know, mm. the the immediate quietness would, would be. It's an eerie you know, feeling. It'd be more than I could handle. You guys aren't ready for the apocalypse. No, absolutely not. No. Well, I, uh, guys, it has been a really strange year yeah, in Alabama. And it's only and it's, 10 yeah, days in, it? right? January yeah. 10th as, as of this recording. I, I want to run through a couple of things that have happened in state since January 1st, which is, what, nine days ago. Mm-hmm. And it's been an unusual week. So the first one... I think, let's see what date this is. So this is dated, updated on January 9th. Um, This was actually after, let's wait, let's do this one second, because this is after the big story. All right. So Leeds has made national news. We are famous for a lot of things. Charles Barkley, number one. Barber Motorsports Park, number two. We now have Bucky's, number three. number two. No, I think Barber's. I, Barber's has got the international pull that Bucky's doesn't. Leeds but, City of Valor. That, that makes the list. We have uh, Tree City multiple, USA. Multiple Medal of Honor winners. We uh, we have a Bass Pro Shops, which is you know one of what four or five in Alabama. Huh. Bass Pro Shop. Anything been happening up there lately? Well, Tim, it's funny that you ask. Huh. Um, there was a little news break that happened uh, earlier. I think it was last Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yeah, um, I'll just give you the the title of an article I pulled up on the Trustful Times, and if they would like to sponsor this podcast, we'd be happy to let them sponsor it. But naked man takes swim at Bass Pro Shop in Leeds. This story has gone viral. I have seen it on every national news outlet you can find. I'll share that uh, one of my coworkers who lives in New Jersey sent me the clip from the New York Post. Yeah, it's it's Whoa. it's gone everywhere. So, um, and it ultimately it's kind of a sad story, but we can't ignore it. It's got to be told. So imagine this: there's a calamity outside of Bass Pro Shop, nearly closing time, which is like ten o'clock, I think. A car pulls into the parking lot hits a pole, and out jumps a man. Man strips down, runs into Bass Pro Shop, which I'm going to pause here and ask, did he hit the automatic door button and wait on both sets of doors to open, or did he do the pull open and run through? I, that That's and, something I've wanted. And, and, stout if he and did he open. hit that turnstile? Because uh, that he, comes next. That turnstile was probably uncomfortable. Mm. So he makes a beeline. Because when you said stripped down, you I, mean to like a t-shirt, pair of shorts? I mean, he was wearing what the Lord gave him. There we go. Mm-hmm. So he makes a run. He sprints down. goes 
up to the second floor somehow or on the way up. I'm guessing up the stairs. Up the stairs, yeah. Though there's a part of me that would really love to think he took the elevator. Yeah. With the glassed in front. <laughs> I think most of the clips we've seen begin, he's up he's there. He's already, already up there. Right? So he gets yeah, over yeah. into where the water aquarium waterfall feature is with it. And he does a cannonball. I mean, I've seen the video. I think anyone that wants to see it, it's out there. You find it. He does, does a cannonball and swims around and yells a few things. And then the police show up and he gets out again. And he does... I wouldn't call it a swan dive. It was kind of between a dive and a belly flop. Uh-huh. It wasn't a great dive. No, no but if it, it was but, really a but funny it, but image. It, but it yeah. created a great transition from the cannonball, right? It really did. Going yeah. back in differently great this time. Swim. And I'm not sure which got more splashes over the edge of the aquarium, the dive or the cannonball, because there was a lot of water coming over the front of yeah. that thing. So the police... Fortunately, no fish either time. No right. fish were injured in this. Now, they saw some things they could never unsee. Um, I would love to hear them talking to each other like, I cannot believe that happened. It's kind of like that fish you catch, you know, and you you pull them up out of the water and you throw them back after you've caught them, and they go down and tell their friends what just happened to them, and nobody believes it. Yeah. And these fish are having those types of conversations. Yeah. But um, So the police show up, and it's really funny. There's two officers – I'm not, it's not funny. Bless her heart. I would not want to be in this position. And they're obviously trying to figure out how are we getting naked wet man out of a tank. And I went to Bass Pro Shop the other night just because I like Bass Pro Shop. And, and that tank's a little fishy smelling. It's rough. I would mm-hmm. not want to swim in it. And I would not want it on my clothes yeah. if I'm an officer. But and fortunately, he decided he, took he was going to right? climb out over the front of the tank. And really, the scariest part of this whole thing. Oh, right? he, he it's fell. It's a wonder this man He didn't fell, die. and I mean, it sounds like an egg hitting concrete if you listen to the video. Because anybody that knows about ba- Bass Pro Shop, that floor's drop. rock. That's concrete. Right? Concrete. Yeah. And there's a rock wall. Oh, yeah. And a, a, like a small yeah. wall at the bottom of that tank. I don't and know how it did the landing really. was, I mean, it knocked him unconscious. And, yeah. of course, they cuff him and drag him out of the store, which is, and, and, and you know, then the follow-up to it over the last few days, you hear some of the background, and it's really a sad story. It, it, it's, you know, you, it's, it's funny in that it happened. It's sad in the situation it happened in, and we hate it for that family because it's something that will always be part of their history. But the video is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Can it's we, sad but funny. Can we talk about another aspect of this video? Yeah, you've absolutely. Hit a lot, you've hit some of the really yeah. uh, high high points of the video, but you know. So I think fortunately for the policeman, um, and fortunately that you know it didn't kill him, right? But he was unconscious yeah. when they went to cuff him, right? Yeah. So there wasn't a big fight then. No. But when he came to, he's not happy. He is not happy, and I think he's confused. And he. It's almost as if while in the tank, he he took on the life of a fish of some sort because yes. he begins to flop like a fish out of water. Yeah. And they drag him out of there. They drug the him. They, they, they drug him from from wet to dry in a hurry. And you could see um, the 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 streak of wet yeah. behind oh, him. Lord. Now. I got tickled at the officer. So the officer pulls out his taser and he's pointing it at this guy he, on the floor. I thought wet. he had a taser. And he's yeah. soaking wet, standing in water, mm-hmm. water everywhere. I'm thinking taser is not a good idea in this situation. Yeah. And he was already at and this point think, handcuffed. Well, do you think that mo- that was part of the move out of the water was if we have to tase this guy? I don't know, but we need to get I'm dry thinking ground. I, um, we should have. I should have asked one of our our buddies that's a policeman what happens if you tase somebody while standing in a puddle of water and they're in water. It can't be good. No. So that was the first story, and it was like I said, it went absolutely viral. It did. It went nuts, and I so we got it. We got, it, kind of news we got it on. Outlets. We talked about it on Friday, Friday morning, morning together. Yep. At about six o'clock, and it just started exploding. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean I, people. I have friends in Tennessee that were sending me messages about it. I went to the grocery store that day and walked by two conversations about it. Yeah. Because I immediately thought about the podcast when I heard it, and I thought, oh, this will be good to cover. And then I thought, by the time we get to record, this will have gotten across the whole country. Everybody will know about it. But, you know, with our... 
our international audience, there are some people who may not there, have heard this. Some, and some of the folks in Romania and yeah. Japan. And once we once we go once we get big, people will come back in later years to listen to the whole series. Yes. And so it won't be it, news. It, yeah, at that it'll point. it'll be. You make so a great point. Yeah. I thought surely nothing else chaotic can happen in Alabama. Don't call that. me Shirley. Well, I'm sorry, Tim. I I thought Tim. <laughs> Surely nothing else could happen. But then I was, I was, a patient was telling me about this story. So um, I'm going to read the opening to this this um, article. Leeds Bass Pro Shops, comma, hold, insert the person's name, beer. So it sounds like somebody else has done something that Leeds Bass Pro Shops should sit back and say. Oh, oh Le- this hey, is Leeds yeah, Bass yeah. Pro. Hold my beer. Yeah, because right, watch this, basically. All right. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, took me, took me a minute to wrap my head The article the is... We're about to one-up you. Man stuck in urn at Mountain Brook Party loses pants and breaks expensive vase and the Alabama internet. This is on AL.com. Um, this happened actually during New Year's Eve in Mountain Brook, but it's just starting to hit the news cycle. Uh, let's see if I can find a, a, a part of it where it says, so this guy, and there's some great pictures of it, um, decides to climb into an urn. Obviously, if you watch the video, I mean a vase, a giant, like, decorative. So We've all like seen large, these. Not like not, not like, kind of like dad's ashes. Well, we, yeah. were talking, we were talking about this at dinner with my boys tonight about this story. And an urn is just a vessel. It can be little, and it can be big. Yeah. You can put ashes in it. You can put flowers it's in it. It's large enough to hold a man's body. Well, at least his lower torso. So he climbs in, I guess, feet first, and somehow or another gets himself wedged into it and can't get out. Now, there are videos on the, the AL.com story, unless you like uh, expletives. I don't know that I recommend watching them. Or if you watch him, turn the volume down. It's still funny watching him trying to get out. He's obviously intoxicated. But ultimately, he took his belt off to try to wriggle out. That didn't work. Inside the urn, somehow or another, he got his pants off. He came out pantsless. Because he took his belt off. I guess so, or maybe when he wriggled out. Ultimately, they had to break it. And the article said that the vase is estimated to cost between like $500, $1,500, something like that, dollars. So not only is this guy in trouble for getting stuck in the vase, mm-hmm. and then so Leeds had a little bit of a black eye. And we'll handle it. We can laugh about ourselves. Leeds does not take itself too serious. Mountain Brook, on the other hand, they take themselves uh, very I believe serious. you've oh, broken. I believe you've broken my urn. Yeah, I, I, I love. Uh, I, they probably have. They probably. It was probably something from the Ming Dynasty or something in Mountain Brook. But I just got really tickled at that story. And then I thought, well, surely nothing else can happen. In Alabama this week. Can't imagine that it could. But wait, there's, there's more. more. So in carpool line, um, I'm pulling up the picture right now that I'd saved. In carpool line, what's today? Today's Wednesday, yesterday, Tuesday. I get to work and I start getting text messages about what's going on at Leeds Primary School. What would you do if you're pulling through, and y'all all know what the carpool lines or the drop-off at the oh, schools yeah. look like, right? Sure. The, 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 the uh, rider line where they get out of the cars. It's backed up all the way down into 78. Yeah. It takes 30 minutes to 25, 30 minutes if you, if you get there yeah, at the, the wrong time. Yeah, the primary school line like goes in, winds down to the tennis courts, wraps around, comes there's up. A, there's a you know, oh, it's, oh, it's just awful. Everywhere you can put a car. If well, you're new to this car line, you're in trouble. What was it doing yesterday morning? Pouring down rain. Yeah. It was still raining, stormy, windy, which makes carpool line or car rider line even worse. And what happens on rainy mornings, a lot of people that put their kids normally on the bus go through car rider line because it's pouring down yeah, rain. They don't want the kids out the there. The, yeah. So it's pouring down rain. The line's backed up. And what happens? A guy pulls up and out from underneath his car falls the deer that he has hit on Highway 78 on his way to school. Oh, wow. 
So he hit. I've got the picture pulled up. So did he? He he hit it and saw I it. I guess but it he, hit he it thought, and went under the car. But and he thought, oh, it's it's gone, somewhere behind right? us. Right. He drug it there. And so from somewhere on seventy eight, he drives the victim of the, really the victim are the poor children that had to see Bambi yes. lying in the car car drop off oh, line. But and so, not just Bambi, but Bambi drug for two miles, yeah. right? Yeah, I, it the poor little guy put up a fight for the first mile. It's kind of <laughs> like in in uh, National Lampoon's Vacation when they chain the dog to the leash, the dog to the bumper. But can you imagine you're dropping off your kid? I should take this stick and beat you within an inch of your life. <laughs> the poor little guy probably put up a good fight for the first mile. But can you imagine you're dropping off your 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 preschooler who's four years old and there's a carcass laying out and so the principal ultimately went out there and and drugged the deer oh wow the roadway out into the grass and i think city of leeds came and picked it up but one of the oddest things i've ever seen driving to church a couple of weeks ago sunday morning i drive by it's by my brother's house it wasn't in his yard but his neighbor's yard i saw just out of the corner of my eye, just real quick, I saw a state trooper with a shotgun up against a deer's head. The deer was on the ground. And then it was one of those things where I'm like, I didn't see what I think I just saw. But we were late and didn't have time to turn around and look. But my brother confirmed that somebody had hit a deer. And they were putting it out of its misery. State troopers, and they went out there to put it out of its misery. Dispatch it, if you will. But that that was just... What a crazy week. So in the matter of wow. nine days, that's crazy. we got a guy swimming at Bass Pro. And I guess if you go in order, you got a guy stuck and in an urn things we know about. that have happened in Mountain Brook. Guy at Bass Pro, deer shows up from being drugged. Who knows from how far? Uh, I wondered how that deer got there. That's how it got there. I, the, I, the first thing I heard was that it had run up into the carpool line, like ran into a car and fell. But that's not what the, happened. Yeah, it, it was ground beef. It had been drug in. So, but those are just some, and then today to top everything off, this is going to cause some chaos, I'm afraid. Mm. Nick Saban retired. Yes. Yes, he did. We learned this two and a half, three hours ago. Yeah. Just came out, right? Yep. I was walking out of work and I look up and there's a TV and there's the headline. The you goat think, has retired. How many years was Were he there? He was there for 17, 17 yeah. years. Was that That's a good tenure there. 2007. And, and, and really more, you know, I think back to like when he first arrived. Yeah. Um, he had never stayed at a job for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. And so, it was a, you, know, cert, you know, you remember yeah. what the deal it was when he showed up. It was like... Elvis had come to Tuscaloosa. I mean, there are still pictures that they show of when he landed in that plane and got off, and there were throngs of people, you know, patting him on the back and hugging his neck. And, you know, I, I think he, he probably thought, what in the world is going on here? Because, I mean, he's just a football coach, right? Yeah. And But no. I mean, it went – it went crazy, right? I've never been in Alabama. And so, Alabama. Uh, yeah, so he had, you know, he, it, it was, um, you know, from Michigan State to LSU to the Miami Dolphins and then to Alabama, yep. four or five years in a place was really, yep. and, and so, you know, the anticipation always was, how long will he stay? Five years? Maybe go, he may decide I want to go back to the NFL again. And, you know, he had gotten the Dolphins like to the brink of the playoffs, but he, you know, he had been successful in every, you know, in, in a pretty big way yeah. everywhere else, especially at LSU, won a national championship, went to the Dolphins. And it's like, he may stick around five years. You know, so he comes in 07, we win the national championship in 09. Um, I do what Alabama fans do, right, and claim we like, um, you know. Well, I know time, you had right? your ankles taped for that game. Oh, you better believe it. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll be flying the Alabama flag at half staff for the next month at the Layton House. Now, I did um, hear that he agreed that whoever they hire, that he will lay hands on them and pass well, on his. I certainly hope so. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, 17 years is That's a long immensely time. more than yeah. I would have ever expected him to stick around and you know, I, I must say that today I was not the least bit surprised I really no. you know it didn't you know um, 
you're getting a little age on you when you can remember when Bear Bryant announced his retirement. It was just 41 years ago, but I mean, I remember it well. And, um, you know, that day was like, what? You know, of course. But I this was, one kind of starts, it and, makes and a little one, sense. This one makes all kinds well, of game, sense. The game is changing it, it, a lot. In a big way. Yeah. He's, and he's 72 years old. Um, he looks great for 72. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, I, l- let me do that comparison, right? You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bear Bryant at 69, retired in December, died two weeks later, and he looked 85 years old. You know, Saban is 72, looks like he could be, he could pass for 65. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in good shape. Hopefully, you know, there no health issues. He lives 15, 20 more years, you know, and, but he's making $10 million a year, just bought a, I think like a ten million dollar estate in West Palm Beach, um, and what you said about the game changing, you know, I've thought for a couple of years now, why in the world is this guy continuing to do this? Because, you know, he's won you know six national championships at Alabama, um, you know, he he um, all you know all the success that he could ever think about having and now he not only has to worry about it has to get harder when you're 72 years old to go talk to 15 to 17 year old kids and try to convince them to come to your school mm-hmm. right it's got to that, that's got to especially get, with after, the after you've won so many games after you've won you so much especially after the name and likeness right. stuff and the and so, transfer yeah. portal yeah. stuff and that's yeah. it that's right I and i think about. that's the, the playoffs, that's yeah. the big change right because he he's always done this stuff and he can always talk to those kids about you know i can help you develop and you know help you with your future and all that kind of stuff and now you know We've always said, well, you know, the thing we all like about college football is it's not the pros. It's like worse than the pros now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least the pros, I was talking to Richard Box about this a while ago, at least in the pros you have a contract, right? Yeah. It says like, hey, for the next five years, I'm going to pay you, you know, $7 million a year, but you got to honor this contract. And some people break them every now and then. But generally speaking, there's some sense of control. It's the Wild West out there right now. You know, so – Alabama will be the perfect example, right? So things are set right now. Uh, they recruited a class. Uh, they just got some folks into the transfer portal. They just had people leave the transfer portal. And what happens, right? So Nick Saban leaves. We don't know who's coming in. Now the transfer portal's closed right now, but it opens back up mm-hmm. in May. And listen, if it's not the right guy – and this guy doesn't yeah. endear himself to these 85 guys that are on this like team. It's mice getting it off a be, sinking ship. Hey, yeah. and these well, guys. My son already saw something about um, an incoming recruit that has changed his mind. He's not going to yeah. go to Alabama now. Yeah. And any of the top recruits that want to go to the University of Georgia, our doors are open. <laughs> and, you know, in the past, you know, so like – it's all so there's a, a signing day that's happened mm-hmm. already and then there's like Another i think there's one. one more that's later or whatever but if those you know in the past if you signed you're in yep. and and you're yeah. going to stay but now really all they've got to do is i'm going to take my transfer yep. when when it when the portal opens back up in may um, I think about that Dr. Pepper commercial yep. now, right, with the with the portal opening up and yeah. all the players sucking into yep. it. But, uh, you know, so in May they just say, well, I'm, I'm decided to go somewhere else yeah. or whatever. So it's a, you know, it's it's a real balancing act, right? And the, the other part of this, and so, um, you know, I could talk about Alabama a lot more than anybody wants to listen to it, but – the other part of it is who comes in now, oh, right? Yeah. And this this is a real interesting phenomenon. And it happened when Bear Bryant retired in 82 is like, who wants to be the, the man next. after the man, mm-hmm. right? And so for Alabama fans that have lived as long as I have, this is the second time this is happening. This is the second time that you've got a coach following the greatest of all time. And that sounds arrogant, but Bear Bryant was, and Nick, Nick Saban, Saban is, is, the greatest of all time. And and so, 
you know, this next guy, I mean, what kind of what what kind of makeup do you have to have? So I was driving home today, and they're mentioning two or three guys that you know would fit the mold. Mm-hmm. They um they mentioned uh, Dan Lanning, who's at the head coach at Oregon, yep. and Sarkeesian, that's the head coach Texas. at Texas. And you have to ask yourself, why in the world would either one of these guys come to Alabama? Well, they mention them because they're in the Saban tree. They are right. Both of them. Uh, Lanning was a grad assistant for Saban. Sarkeesian basically sort of revived his career uh, by coming to Alabama and working with Saban and becoming his OC and had two stints there. And, um, you know, so there's there's an attachment there, but they're both in highly attractive top five programs in the country. It's going to take somebody with a lot of ego. Right. That's right. And not, and so if they win a national championship at Oregon or at Texas, they'll name buildings and stadiums and erect statues exactly. after them. If they win a national championship at Alabama, you know what they're going to say? Five more and you catch Saban. That's right. Right? That's and so, right. <laughs> you know, so it, it becomes, you know, really challenging for, you know, a lot of times we say in a situation like this, you don't want to be the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy, mm-hmm. right? So you want to be that next guy in line yeah. after we've gone through some hard times, right? And so, you know, then you can become you can be the guy who comes in to save the day, you know, because mm-hmm. we've sort of made that transition. And so the question is going to be, is it time for hard times at Alabama. And listen, we can't cry. We had six national championships in 17 years. That's ridiculous, you know? And so, you know, we'll enjoy that and see what happens, but it will be, you know, just from a complete fan's perspective, it's going to be really interesting to see who comes in. And Jason, you said a minute ago, who's got enough ego to do this? Oh, I have a And name. we know who's got, tell me who's got enough Lane ego to do it. Lane Kiffin. You're exactly right. The guy has unlimited quantities of ego. He's got so, a tie. You know, he thinks he can be the man. Without saying, sounding sacrilegious, he would follow Jesus as coach at the University of Alabama without yeah, he would. any thought about it, you know, because he loves Lane Kiffin. Yeah. And so that may be the guy that ends up the <laughs> other thing. Like th- Alabama fans don't like him. <laughs> no. oh, I'm no, telling listen, you, though, he is, listen, he is the, I, I the most really, likely to go. I really like him. But he scares me because he's he's edgy, and you you wonder when is he going to blow this thing up? And I don't know in what way. Uh, <laughs> At but, some point, but, he know, snaps. But you know, he he was offensive coordinator for Alabama and did an amazing oh, he's job. A good coach. He took us to the Final Four with a running back at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Le- literally, Blake Sims was a running back. He turned him into a quarterback that got them into the college football playoffs. And, and it was because he could scheme up stuff. And, and there was this whole deal that he would do when he was at Alabama. And he does it some at Ole Miss now. But he'd call a play. And you see him on the sidelines throwing his hands up in the air or whatever. Because like the, as the play begins, he knows it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And because he's got the scheme wow. working or whatever. And then, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there it is. And so that – May likely be where it lands, and it will be fun, but there'll always be a tinge of when's he going to blow it up. (laughs) The the guy who sighed the biggest sigh of relief today, though, Hugh Freeze at Auburn. He was like, whew, that's good news. Right, this could be the break I need. The rebuild is looking better. That's right, absolutely. So, you know, it'll be be some fun times, and – you know, it may be the time that, you know, us Bama fans get to eat some humble pie. So That's we'll okay. see. You can still <laughs> count on two hands your last national championships <laughs> in the last 15 years. Why don't you read it for us? All right. So this is, I, I believe this is our second, and I think that's the second one I picked by him, Robert Louis Stevenson quote. Um, and I really like this one, and I think it'll it'll generate a really good discussion. So the quote is, you cannot run away from a weakness. 
you must sometimes fight it out or perish. And if that be so, why not now and where you stand? So you cannot run away from a weakness. You must sometimes fight it out or perish. And if that be so, why not now and where you stand? So when I read this quote, I thought back to a passage throwing in our name of our podcast it's passages go ahead and like and subscribe and give us five stars but i thought about a passage in a book i read named dopamine nation and it's a book written by um anna lemke who is a psychiatrist at stanford and it talks about dopamine how it reacts addictive behaviors things like that one of the things i really like about that book is it says that the cell phone is the modern hyperdermic hyperdermic needle and i thought that was a really Mm -hmm. cool thing but she in one of the stories she tells in that book she is talking to someone who has a drug problem and she asked the person do you want to stop your drug problem and and the person it was a female she said yeah i, I want to stop it this is not something i want to do my whole life i don't want to you know be old and do this and she asked her well do you want to stop it in you know by the time you're 50 and she was like absolutely i want to stop it by the time i'm 50 and she said well how about in 10 years do you want to stop it then and she was like well yeah i don't want to still be using in 10 years and she said well how about 5 years do you want to stop it then and she worked her way all the way down and she was like Okay, if you want to stop it in 10 years and you want to stop it in five years and you want to stop it in a year and in six months, why don't you just stop today? And I I, I thought of that when I read this quote because it says, and if that be so, why not now and where you stand? So if you're battling with something that's a weakness um, and you want to fight it, don't procrastinate on it because if you procrastinate, it's hard. You may never get started on it. Right. Make your stand where you are. I had to read this a couple of times to get the meaning right. You, you know, it was written a long time ago, and no criticism toward Robert Louis Stevenson at all. He's a great writer. But, uh, you know, he says, You cannot run away from a weakness. You must sometimes fight it out or perish. So at first I, th- I thought he was saying, Sometimes you have to fight it out, but not all the time. But that's not what he's saying. He's yeah. saying, At some point you have to fight it out. Or you, the other choice you have is to die, right? To give so, in to the weakness. You've got to pick a time to fight it out or you're going to die. That's right. And so that leads into the end part. So if you have to sometimes fight it out, if there's a time you have to pick to fight it out, then choose now as the time. Yep. Which I think is true. And I think it's also interesting that he wrote Jekyll and Hyde. Mm-hmm which is kind of a, a study of fighting your demons. It is. And uh, if you've never read it, it doesn't take long to read. Uh, Jason, you've read it. It's like a... I've read it multiple times. 80-page book. So, less than 100 whatever. pages. You can read it in a sitting. And it's really exciting, and, and, and it's a psychological drama. I mean, it really... And, and if you if you have any history in your family or any history in your own life with addiction or mental illness or things like that, that book will really, really resonate to you. Because yeah. he was dealing with alcoholism when he wrote it. I mean, he was mm-hmm. an alcoholic, and he was writing it in response to his demons, which was alcoholism. Yeah. And he so he speaks from experience. I, he does. I would imagine this is wisdom he, he got the hard way. Yeah. Um, but I really like the quote, uh, you can't run away from... And this term weakness is an interesting choice of words mm-hmm. for, we assume, alcoholism on his part. It's a stand-in for any, it's not a weakness like a physical disability you can't yeah. do anything about. It. He's talking about something you can change. So obviously he looks at, you know, we we would call it a spiritual weakness. That, that's, that's the way I would not, define it. Not a thorn it. in the yeah. flesh situation where yeah. the weakness can, God can use the weakness for your yeah. good. This is a weakness you you need to overcome or a you're going to die. self-inflicted weakness. It, yeah. It, you know, it can be pride. It could be a lot of different things. But anything... It'd be a sin. That's right. Anything right. that you're struggling with that's that's taking you out of your really out of your strengths in life, you know, your strengths of character. I, mm-hmm. I like to think of it as character flaws. Yeah. Right. Anything between you and God. Yeah. You know, I was thinking back to what you were saying about the, um, you know, the discussion in the Dopamine Nation book mm-hmm. about, um, you know, that sort of that time breakdown. And I think there's, you know, there's probably a lot of things that all of us can list 
uh, given that we're only 10 days into the new year, we might have thought about this around New Year's resolutions. How am I going to improve myself you know, this year? Uh, we do that at the beginning of a year because um, we at least have some arbitrary start to something that says, okay, if you're going to resolve to do this, start it now mm-hmm. and do it. Because um, I think, you know, to that whole discussion about stopping drugs, whatever the challenge is that you're trying to face, conceptually, um, most of the time we all want to change that. You know, it's some kind of weakness, right? I mean, this is what it says, a weakness. And, and you know, so if we've got a weakness we want to eliminate th- that weakness. The problem with all of us is changing the behavior associated with that weakness. And so while conceptually, you know, I'll take one of mine, um, yeah, I'd love to lose some weight and maybe I'll stop eating this cheeseburger at the beginning of February, mm-hmm. right? Or six months from now or after my open heart surgery or, you know, whenever, right? Yeah. But um, but actually making that behavior change, because if it's a weakness, it's not easy, no, right? Because, you know, if it was easy, it wouldn't be a weakness, right? right. It'd just be, all right, I'm going to change it, you know, and do it now. But, you know, that's the whole deal about the only way that you can address a weakness is to say, all right, it's time. That's right. And let's face it head on here. Um, Another thing about this that stands out to me is this or perish part, right? Because um, sometimes what we're doing is continuing this. um, The perishing is not necessarily, hey, it just kills you and you're dead like Rover, dead all over. Maybe dying all the time, you know, with whatever it is. Like you know, you if reach it's, a point of no return. Right. You know, you're dying. Right. You're dying. You, you're heading toward an addictive state, right, where you've mm-hmm. just given yourself over to something. Or an apathetic state an where apathetic you state, just you said, don't care I anymore, can't do anything about right? this. I'm just or just a, a hopeless state. That's right. I can't beat this. You know, yeah. I just can't mm-hmm. do it. You know, it's too, I'm too far gone i i i I can't change i've done this this way for too long whatever it might be uh, i can't can't fix it right and that uh, so i think that perishing comes in a lot of different kinds of forms that we just mentioned i think it's in the same form of when god tells adam and eve if they eat of the, the the tree of knowledge of good and evil they will surely die and you know satan comes up and he says Hold on a second. You're not going to die. Define die. But at that point, from that point on, man has been perishing continually because of that one act. And I think it's in that same form. I think one of the things that is so important about doing it now and where you are right now is procrastination is driven by anxiety, fear, and and, uh, inability to face ourselves we don't like to think about our flaws and the things that eat away at us our weaknesses we get anxious about the thought of having to give up some of them because some of our weaknesses are really something that maybe have defined us or something that um, we enjoy and we need to get so so the importance of doing it now is if you keep saying i'm gonna wait until the time is right or i'm gonna wait till i'm more spiritual or i'm more religious or i'm a better person well you're just going to keep waiting you're never going to have the right time to do it and you're just going to perpetuate and continue in that weakness if you want to fix it you got to rip off the band-aid and you got to start right where you are and it can be ugly and you don't have to work it to perfection it's progress not perfection is what you're searching for you're not looking for hey i'm in day one i've solved all of my weaknesses look at me it's in day one i worked all day long to get through this weakness and to work against it and i'm not just doing it by myself i'm asking god to help me because if you do it by yourself you're going to keep failing I mean, you got to have God involved in getting through those those weak moments, too. So I think we procrastinate because we're afraid. And that's why he says, if you're going to do it, do it right now and where you stand. Don't wait till times are right. Don't wait till you're prepared. You start where you are and you start working. 
You know, we read a book one time. We were in a book club, the three of us together, I, I believe. You remember the book, The Now Habit? I do. There was an, an analogy to procrastination in that book that I've used ever since. And it was something like, imagine you're asked to walk across a two-by-six, walk the, the length of a two-by-six that's on the ground. You'd be able to do it. You could hop across it. You wouldn't think twice about it. Now raise it 100 feet in the air. Suddenly, you st- it's the same activity. It's the same task. But because of where it is, you are afraid. The fear is there, like the you were saying, there. Jason. Yeah. Fear is the, the fear key. is there, and now all of a sudden it seems like an impossible task. Mm-hmm. And what we do when we procrastinate is we put the two-by-six up 100 feet in the air. That's right. When it's really down there, you can do it. Yep. You know, for me, to use a simple safe illustration what i'm trying to work on this year is phone calls i procrastinate phone calls i hate talking on the telephone and i don't understand why i hate it i think sometimes i feel i'm always i'm always behind anyway and i i feel like the phone call is going to last a long time so i'll do it later i'll do it later and um this year, I'm trying to, if I've got a phone call to make, I just make it. Another thing I've got, I've got this thing where I need to fully concentrate on the phone. And like my wife can talk in the living room with TV going, the kids running back and forth. And for some reason, I've got to be out on the porch or something. I don't know what that is. I don't like talking on the phone with somebody else in the car and using the speakerphone. Yeah. So i got to get over some of those things. But a lot of it's just this irrational... It's not fear with the phone call. It's just an irrational anxiety over. Yeah, I think that's you know, a good way to put this, it. Mm-hmm. And I and I've realized if I make the call, it's over in five minutes, not thirty-five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something I've got to trick myself to do, and you know I'm trying to do that. Whenever I get a message, just as soon as I can get back to it, I do it. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good, you know, when we're trying to reprogram ourselves to to do anything that we've not been doing, and, and that really, you know, s- speaks to this, you know, where you stand is, you know, we just need to go ahead and, and knock it out. Don't put it at the bottom of your to-do list where things don't get done and, you know, you can start, you can begin, even though you've committed to start working on it, you you know, procrastinate your way out of it again. You know, it's, you know, these kinds of things we're talking about here. So, you know, if it's, you know, go to the gym, go there the first thing in the day. You know, Mm -hmm. if it's, um, if it's read your Bible, you know, don't leave it till, you know, the time you're about to pass out at the end, you know, end of the night. Um, You know, it really is, you know, Take you wind up living your the, life in fear all the time. Because what is a deadline? I'm sorry to interrupt, but no, de- I'm afraid I'm going to lose yeah, this. Go. A deadline <laughs> is something you're afraid of more than the task. So it's just fear on top of fear. When you say, I work best with a deadline, what you're saying is, I'm going to be afraid of this project until the scarier wall of a deadline confronts me, and then I'm going to let that scare me into doing that which I'm a little more scared of. Who wants to live like that? But that's how a lot of us live. It is. And it is it is amazing what we do to ourselves when it comes to procrastination. And, you know, how many times do you finally do that thing and you're like, man, I wish I had just done that, like, that you know, when I was not, when I had not pressed myself up to a wall to basically force myself to do it, you know, um, you know, you're teaching this class. Get ready for this class. Uh, you know, we've all taught these adult classes, and we're like, this week, I'm going to get started Sunday afternoon. And, <laughs> and you then know, 11 o'clock Saturday night, you're right. like, it's like, that's a good lesson. I'm ready. Right, exactly. <laughs> and you know, and you exhausted. just, you're exhausted. <laughs> and, you know, and so, you know, you you made it to the finish line, but, you know, then you think, you know, every time that I, 
you know, sort of read through this concept and start letting it marinate on Monday and Tuesday. And, you know, and then, then I start, you know, working on it a little bit on Wednesday and Thursday and I get to the weekend and yeah, I have to, you know, spend more time to finish it up then, man, it's so much better. And I feel better about it. And I get up and I can speak about it more easily than just like, you know, it's like our whole life, right? It's like we're in college again, cramming for a test. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. you know, it's the same concept. I mean, it's like we, and, and if you live your whole life that way, put yourself through a lot of misery, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and, you know, this comes from experience, right? I mean, you know, I go look at my to-do list and it's like, there's some stuff on there. I, here, Here's one that I would rather take a sharp stick to the eye than write, write, um, accomplishments at work and so every year they set some deadline at the end of the year where you have to submit your accomplishments for your annual review mm-hmm. and so it will be all right um november 15th need all your accomplishments in and you know so that we can write this stuff up and then you know we submit stuff before the end of the year blah 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 invariably <laughs> it's lunchtime on friday november the 15th <laughs> and I have to write my accomplishments, right? And yes. it's the only way that I will do it is to be mm-hmm. faced with, Tim, you've got three hours to complete this task. Go start looking at your calendar and figure out what you did this year. Do you ever put as one of your accomplishments uh, finishing your accomplishments oh, list? Oh, I, mm-hmm. I should. You because should. <clears throat> I, that's a good accomplishment. And if I put on there the things that I like to do the least – I mean, it's the it's probably one of the reasons I'm looking forward to retirement the most because <laughs> hopefully Millie will not require me to submit accomplishments at the end of the year. Yeah. You know, once I retire, yeah. it's like I I would just I've always felt like if I could have a job where my boss just says you're great, you're average, you're bad, but you don't have to submit a, submit accomplishments, I'd be like whatever you think. Yeah. You know, it's all good with me. Yeah. And, and you know, sometimes it's like it doesn't – there are times when I've had bosses that I'm not sure ever read one word in the accomplishments, right, which is, you know, a different sure. matter altogether, yeah. right, yeah. because they have to do theirs and they have to collect all this stuff and they know whether you're doing your job, you know, pretty much or not um, already. But it's just another procrastination thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like what do we procrastinate? The things that they're not necessarily, they're not always like that situation. That's not hard. It's not difficult to write up what you've done. It's just, I hate trying to toot your own horn. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I hate trying to figure out what's more, what's important and what's not. I don't know if I'm supposed to write a half page or five pages, you know, and you, and, and so you just put that stuff off. And, and it's so, and, and so if you trained yourself like a reasonable human being would to say, well, you know, on the, I'm going to put a reminder on my calendar on the 29th of each month, I'm going to spend 15 minutes and I'm going to update this accomplishments document for this month. And you know what? On November 15th, I'm going to take that document and I'm going to drop it in somewhere and submit it because you know what? I'm done. Yeah. But Tim on <coughs> you know, at noon on November 15th is looking at his calendar from January saying, what in the world did I do 11 months ago? <laughs> That's right. You know, so. Yeah, I think um, what we should do is ask ourselves why we're not doing this now. And, and Jason hit the big one, fear. But then I think there's some others that are probably in the category of fear, um, such as not – not being really sure what the parameters of the task are. If you had a template and it was just fill in the blank kind of thing, it might get you over that hump, maybe not. But another big one is, and this might be fear also, is perfectionism. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. perfectionism is also, isn't it kind of a, a narcissistic thing? Like, why do you think you have to be perfect? I yeah. was I was talking to somebody this week about uh, I've been trying to help guys get their books published. And I was talking to a friend and he still hasn't sent me his first chapter. And I asked him, I said, "Are you a perfectionist?" And he said, "Yes." 
and and I said, um, "Are you thinking this has to be perfect?" And he said, "Yes." And I said, "Do you realize it will not be perfect?" Yeah. You know, it's just perfectionism is is kind of a arrogant thing. It's and like, it's and it's I'm an unreachable. No, you're not. It's an unreachable thing. Yeah, it's, nobody's perfect. It's a myth. There is no perfect. And and there's well, this, there's Christ. He was perfect. Outside know, of Christ, there's no perfect. I get it perfect. Yeah. You're not going to do it yeah. then, because right. it's not going to be perfect. That's why I love that phrase: progress, not perfection. I, oh, that's I, good. I have, yeah, I have. That is something I mm-hmm. I think about every day: progress, not perfection. Yeah. There's a part of this quote I want to I want to touch on though that we've not mentioned. The very first line, you cannot run away from a weakness. So often we try to hide from our weaknesses. We try to bury our weaknesses. Sometimes we try to ignore our weaknesses. Sometimes we put on a false show that makes everybody not see our weaknesses. But if you've got a weakness, if you've got a character flaw, if you've got something that you are not whole because of, it will seek you out. And it is a lot better to face a weakness on your own terms than on the terms of the weakness catching up with you. And there's some weaknesses that may never catch up with you. Come judgment, it will. But there's a lot of weaknesses. There's a lot of character flaws that with time will become exposed. And if they're exposed on its term, it's going to be a lot worse for you than if it's exposed on your terms by facing it, admitting it, being vulnerable, working through it, acknowledging it, humbling yourself, asking God for help. Um, And that's the key in it. I think our pride a lot of times keeps us from facing our weaknesses because we think we're in control. And the fact of the matter is we're totally out of control most of the time. And only through God's help can we find some control. But I love that idea of you cannot run away from a weakness. It's kind of like I, I, I picture it as when somebody, and it's in some of these cartoons where they're running from something and it's tied to their waist or it's tied to their foot, and yeah. they think it's chasing them, but it's stuck to them. And that's kind of like it is with a weakness. The weakness is yours. It's stuck with you. And if you don't face it, if you don't cut that string on your own terms, it's going to catch up with you. Reminds me of Hebrews 12, lay aside every weight and sin that clings yeah. so closely yeah, and run with endurance the race that's set before us. That's a great verse. You know, that that's what we're talking about. That weakness is is one of those weights yeah. that we don't have to carry around with us everywhere we go. It adds to a lot of misery in life. Well, that was a that was a great quote. This is one of my favorites that we've done so far, and uh, there are many more around the corner. So I hope that you're continuing to stick with us. Uh, as Jason's already reminded us, uh, there are a, there are ways that you can spread the word. So go on there to whatever platform you're using: Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Audible, and uh, leave us a review. Leave us a rating. That helps get the word out. Most of all, tell your friends and stick with us until next time on Passages.